Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out, find out more about my work as an intuitive and teacher at karenhager.com. And if you are on Instagram, find me where I'm Fog City Psychic for more out of the fog content, jigsaw puzzle mania, and of course, for, photos of Maisie the puppy and some yarn usually thrown in. Now then, tokens and secret doorways, pearls of wisdom fall at our feet on our life's journey all the time, a shower of synchronicities. But we often dismiss these as being mundane or we just don't even notice them at all. Well, Sandy Hart is my guest today, and she believes that the liminal spaces, the spaces in between, is where transformative wisdom and deep insight reside. She invites us to find the extraordinary in the ordinary and to tap into wisdom in the synchronicities and messages of our pauses. Sandy's here to share some practical ways we can alchemize our lives through the power of these liminal spaces. So are you ready to meet her? Sandy Hart is an award-winning leader in the fields of women's empowerment and interfaith community building. She founded the Women's Interfaith International Grassroots Organization, Sarah, the Spiritual and Religious Alliance for Hope, the morning of 9-11. That was part of an instinct to gather women of diverse faiths to protect all that they consider sacred. And Sarah is now in its 20th year. Sandy founded and served as director of Charter for Compassion's Women and Girls Sector. She served as the chair for the United Religions Initiative for North America and serves on the Women's Task Force for the Parliament of World's Religions. She's also the founder of Compassionate California. Sandy is being inducted into the Women's Oral History Library of Claremont Colleges. You can find out more about Sandy and her work at sandyheart.com. That's S-A-N-D-E-H-A-R-T.com, sandyheart.com. Sandy, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. I'm very glad you're here. Let's... Uh, start at the beginning. Liminal, fancy word. What does it mean? <laughs> right. Um, actually, a couple of years ago, I had never heard that word before. I learned it to mean threshold. And it's the space between here and there. Uh, architects actually use this word liberally to describe hallways or staircases or in public spaces, the space that we exist in together. Um, and it's not so much the space, it, but it's what we do in that space that makes it liminal. It's, um, it's, a, it's a word that is going to become a part of our lexicon. So I suggest that we all get used to hearing it. And it's a clunky word to say, but you say it a few times and it rolls right off your tongue, liminal. What is changing that will bring the word liminal to our greater awareness? Oh, what a great question, Karen. You know, I think what's happening right now on a global scale is a heightened sense of awareness. Um, quantum scientists are exploring this time as the second quantum revolution where I would say, um, because for me to grok this really, because I'm not a scientist, 
But for me to really understand what that means is to understand that our minds are catching up to our spirituality. So I think we're getting more expansive in our thinking. I think the crisis that is happening on all around us, you know, this this <laughs> a crisis on all on all you know uh, fronts, right? We don't have to go there, but we know that whether it's the environment or a political system or healthcare, whatever, however you're feeling the impact. Um, the, the all systems are really challenged right now in a dramatic way. And that's giving rise to, um, to the need to be more um, aware of what's going on around us. And so I would have to say it's part of our expansive thinking on, on that level. Um, and I think also the fact that so many ears are perking when they're hearing this word, that's a sign. That's a sign that that it's time to get to know what it means to slow down to the speed of awe and wonder about those mundane spaces that you so beautifully articulated in the introduction. It's interesting. There's a, there's a contrast there, right? There's that call. And I, I agree with that. And I know others have spoken of this time as a kind of a, a, a cultural shift, a big wave moving through that opens us up, that offers us um, an opportunity to go deeper, to feel more, to open up, to allow more. And on the opposite end of that, though, is division and narrowness and rigidity. How can tuning into that liminal space, being aware of that in between, help um, shift us out of that reactivity that so often happens when there's a big call to do anything? I think another great question, Karen, what this is an opportunity for us to recognize our agency in that time, recognize that we have got power over what happens in that space. You know, liminal is the space typically understood between crisis and action dilemma and choice right and so um or well no that it's really good to kind of get our arms around it by understanding that that way of knowing liminal and and to to pull up some of the skills that we've got we have time in that space you know it's amazing how time expands when you are willing to take the time <laughs> and then you see how much time there is really um and really put into action oh, that um, a practice of awareness, perhaps reverent listening. I, I ascribe 12 skills as suggestive tools to really apply in a, in a cohesive way. Um, but whatever skills or practices or methodologies that work for you, now that it's time to really put them to practice so they become a part of who we are. So when we find ourselves in that liminal space, they are part of our operating system. And I think that that one of the biggest things that gets revealed, and I would like to come back to that, but one of the big, to answer your question, one of the big things that gets revealed in that space is questioning assumptions. Mm. For me, that's been a big thing. It's like, really, do I really have to respond this way? Is this really what this means? Did this person really betray me or 
wow, did I just dodge a bullet? <laughs> you know, um, if anybody has ever, you know, had heartbreak that really turned out to be, you know, something that turned out much better than it would have been if it had you stayed in that relationship or, or accepted that position or, or whatever it was at the time that broke your heart or really hurt you and look back and go, oh, that, if that happened, these things wouldn't have happened and I wouldn't be more in my bliss or in direct alignment with my soul's calling. So that space gives us that agency. Do you think of liminal space as shared space as well as individual space? I'm thinking of going to, uh, I was at Canterbury Cathedral and seeing the steps, a place where the steps had been worn smooth over centuries and centuries and centuries of people going up and down those steps. And so Mm. there's my private awareness of the liminal space, how I bring my attention to that. But is, do you feel there's also a sense of that, how we share the liminal space, even though all of us are thinking and feeling different things as we go up and down the stairs? I'm getting full body with this one. This reminds me of enlightened um, service. Enlightened service means when you are showing up in the world, whatever you're doing, you're doing so in a way that that is in service to everyone. Uh, if you, what I do for you, I do for myself, and what I do for myself, I do for you. And when you operate at that place, and you you slow down in that liminal space to recognize your choice in the matter of how you behave or how you respond or how you vote or what you purchase with your dollars or whatever you do, um, recognize that we are. We are all in a shared space. Whatever I do impacts you. So I'm going to do my level best um, to show up in a way that's an enlightened service. It's the most selfish thing I could do for myself and for you. And your enlightened service may inspire enlightened service in me, which may inspire it in someone else, right? It's a, it starts a cycle. I have to trust it will, right? I have to just trust and know at that level that it will. Trust is one of those skills too, I suggest we practice. There's actually a really great book called The Trust Frequency, 10 Assumptions for a New Paradigm. Let's start assuming different things. One of which is that um, that we are on, on this planet to serve our own personal needs, <laughs> you know? Of which might be kind of running in the background when we think about the things we do or what we want or what we purchase or again, how we vote or whatever you do. So yeah, I would say that enlightened service is just dropped on me when you ask that question about shared space. Architects, there's a great article in my book. I actually mention it in the book um, by uh, the professor of architecture at Virginia Tech, actually. Um, and and he speaks about that shared space. And he wasn't speaking it as a, he didn't know that he was speaking from a philosophical, he wasn't writing a book, an article on the philosophy of liminality. That's exactly what he's talking about when he's talking to architects about the importance of creating shared liminal space in a public place. How are we gonna go coexist together? How are we gonna move together? How are we gonna look at one another if I'm sitting on this bench here and you're sitting on that bench over there? Are we going to create community in that? in that space? Or are we creating a more divisive community where we're turned from one another? I mean, the, those th- that's where liminality gets really juicy 
when you're an architect. Wow. I'm wondering how we can start to notice what we're passing over. You were talking about how time time slows down a bit in these liminal spaces. How can we tap into that to notice the things we just stroll by all the time or the synchronicities we miss? I think it's a practice. All of the modalities or methodologies that I mentioned, um, that I consider them 12 skills, but they're really additive skills that you add them to the skills you've already got. They're probably already skills that you're using, but they're all requiring practice, but specifically for awareness. Um, it's a practice and we get to do it. We could do it all day long. We got to make up how we do it too. I'll share with you how I practice awareness. Yeah, I practice body awareness. Um, and I do this five times a day, 25 times uh, reps in 25 time reps. So I, I just say to, you know, I, I, I practice paying attention to my body for a count of 25, five times a day. Now, what do I do five times a day? I walk into the ladies room five times a day. (laughs) Some people might choose, you know, if you drive in your car, you get in and out of your car a couple times a day, maybe four times. And so whatever you do, um, consistently every day, and I suggest the bathroom because it's what we all do. <laughs> Typically, on average, five times a day. Um, and practice body awareness. Okay, I'm going to stop for, I'm going to count for t- 25 seconds and practice what, practice awareness of what's going on in my body. So that does two things, Karen. It not only strengthens your muscle of awareness because it shows up in different ways because you're creating new neural pathways, right? When you practice anything. You're creating new neural pathways um, in your mind. It's pro, pro-social psychology and neuroscience has proven that repetition for a period of time, around a month's time, we create grooves in our brain that where the mind actually can flow thoughts seamlessly over time. And that's how we create a habit. That's why things run in the background. That's where our subconscious um, flows. And so we are actually rewiring our brain with this awareness. And I recommend everybody do it because not only are you practicing awareness in a way that it'll show up in all kinds of ways, but also body awareness, which is another skill, how to trust our body, especially women. We've been socialized out of trusting our bodies and we are mostly connected to the planet and the cosmos despite our design of our the, the female biological body. So we really serve ourselves and the world in enlightened service when we pay attention to what's going on in our body. So that's a twofer practice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's making me think about other things I might be doing often during the day that I'm not as aware of. Mm-hmm. So if I have a negative thought or pattern, if there's something that I do consistently that I know is not great for me, but I'm doing it anyway, just taking the time to create the positive pattern may also help me find some elasticity in my more negative patterns so that I can maybe shift my awareness around those. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is definitely a byproduct and one of the greatest benefits. And this is not a, this is not a philosophy for weight loss, but I've lost 10 pounds 
I almost said five, but I've now lost, <laughs> I've lost 10 pounds just because I walk into the refrigerator. That's another one of my places that I practice this, by the way, I go into the refrigerator far more than I should, or, or I open up the fridge. I'm like body awareness. Guess what? My body's not hungry. Why am I here? Now I can stop and go into a liminal space going, ah, oh, there's some intergenerational trauma behavior patterns there. And that's another one of the skills. So why am I in the fridge? And then I close the fridge and I'm on my way. So <laughs> it's just another byproduct, right? But it shows up in the most miraculous way. Or, hey, I'm hungry. Why aren't I eating, for example? Or why aren't I going to the bathroom? Or why, you know, I'm sorry to bring up the bathroom so many times. I, that's surprising me. But, you know, those things that we don't pay enough attention to our body to allow it to work in its natural way. And we are nature, right? So we can, that's another byproduct of practicing awareness. Well, and that we so often get ahead of ourselves. We're so often not mindful that we often don't pay attention to our body's basic needs. Going to the bathroom is one of those. Eating is one, but so is connection with spirit and compassion and rest, right? We get so off balance and out of kind of skewed out of our place that we aren't listening maybe to that need to go to the bathroom, drink some water, speak to yourself in a more loving way, connect with spirit. So, yeah. I spent six years into a deep dive of compassion when I was with the Charter for Compassion and before that, the Compassion Games, which is a co-opetition. It was a real fun project. And, and practicing compassion is another way of practicing awareness. It's like, okay, what is, what, what's going on in me? Why I'm not feeling compassion right now where I feel like I should be? Um, or... Uh, passing by somebody who's on the street corner and with their hand out what you know I, I can stop in the liminal space and work it out what is preventing me from giving or what what is activating me to give in general so um so and and so it's the same for ourselves it's the same that's why the book cover was so fascinating for me when I saw this piece of art and I had to hold my breath till I turned blue before Catherine Skaggs allowed me to license that part of art <laughs> for my book. And uh, because it's this beautiful face with one eye open and one cl eye closed, no matter what you do, it's there's an inner and an outer. There we go back to enlightened self-interest or enlightened service. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's keeping, you know, keeping that duality in mind, no matter what you do, is really powerful. You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Sandy Hart. Her new book is The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. And you can find out more about Sandy and her work. You can see the cover of that book, I imagine, at mm -hmm. sandyhart.com. That's S-A-N-D-E-H-A-R-T.com, sandyhart.com. The book's called The Liminal Odyssey, and Odyssey to me feels a lot bigger than just me going up and down the stairs or crossing the threshold between spaces. What do you mean by Liminal Odyssey? Yeah, um, that was fun. I, you know, I had, when I was writing the book, I was 
I stepped back at some point because I set, set out to tell a single story about this wild experience that happened to me in 1982 at a no-nukes rally in um, Southern California amongst 100,000 people. And I'd been urged to tell the story. And as I'm telling it, and more stories are starting to show up. And I'm like, okay, I've got to tell that story. And before I knew it, I had these uh, 12 stories. And um, and then I stepped back and I looked at it and having studied Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung and the hero's journey, I thought, wow, this might really fit into the hero's journey as a pattern. And I thought, wow, you know what? As I started mapping what I was like experiencing and how the chapters were laying out, I'm like, well, this is so much more than a journey. Uh, it's an expansion on the hero's journey. And what's next in a journey? What's bigger than a journey? And I closed my eyes and I saw the vast universe of possibilities. And I imagined that I got that big spaceship, you know, going through space into this wild new frontier. And we are, and it, and I should say it, and in my mind, this spaceship, which is us, right? It is a humanity. We're, we're going to this unknown place that is calling us, which is how I would describe this evolutionary growth spurt we are in right now. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're on our way. Hmm. And we know, like you said, well, we talked on the very beginning of this show that, um, you know, we're in this evolutionary growth place. Um, we're expanding in all ways, and it's time for a new reality and society. And what does that look like? Well, we're creating it. So whether we turn left or right or up or down in this wild new vest frontier, um, we're creating that. And, and it's the culture that we ultimately have control over. And then I got the, and that's where the word odyssey came from. Mm -hmm. And then being doing so much work with Sarah and with the Charter for Compassion and the Cities of Compassion movement and Compassionate California movement, I I know a little bit about about cultures, and and I think I realized in that moment of this unknown place that's calling us that we're all going there together, and getting the vision of everybody facing in the same direction but standing in their own divine assignment, their own planetary gift and assignment that we're all each birthed with um, and entrusted with, I should say, have the privilege of living, I should say, that um, culture is up to us. What culture we create when we get there is up to us. Um, and culture is nothing more than a collective agreement of all of our of all of us on the planet. So, or all of us in our region, or that's what creates culture is that collective agreement of how we're gonna to be together, generally speaking on a critical mass. And I know I don't wanna poison the water hole when I get there <laughs> for everybody else. So I have that responsibility and that privilege to show up in that divine assignment. And that's what the Odyssey is about. The Odyssey is, that's where the philosophy of the Odyssey comes in is how do we put these practices or your practices into practice so they become part of our operating system? And we show up in our fullness and the integrity of who we are of that divine assignment. You talk in the book about Kairos time. 
And I wonder if for listeners who aren't familiar with that concept, can you say a little bit about what that is and how it can be a, a lens, maybe a doorway, a gate through which we step into that liminal time? Yes, the Greeks marked time by Kairos time and Kronos time. And Kronos time is what our society is most familiar with, that, you know, 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour. And that's that's their chronological time. We know how long a year is and we, you know, we've got a goal. We're going to set it by, you know, December 31st, for example. Um, that's Kronos time when things are going to happen in Kronos time. Kairos time is in God's time, spirit's time. Um, Aristotle refers to it as the time in which the truth will be revealed. Ooh. Yeah. So for me, and I actually write about this in one story, it took me 30 years for that truth to be revealed and, um, and to, to trust here comes trust again. So to trust that whatever has happened to us happens for us. This is probably not the first time you've heard that expression, but trust that it's all part of our odyssey, that it's all part of what we have to learn here. And in our liminal time, in that experience, trust that uh, it's getting us closer to our bliss. Trust that it's helping us live into our integrity of our fullness. That's what I mean by integrity. I don't mean it in terms of judging your morality. That's not what integrity means here. It means wholeness or fullness, integrity of a table to hold up your plates. <laughs> the chair that I'm sitting on has, is full of integrity because it's holding my weight. Um, so the integrity of who we are and how we show up in that um, is to trust that in that Kairos time will be revealed. And if, if, and that's where awareness comes in. So here's, here's a little kind of stepping back a little bit, seeing how the philosophy of the liminal odyssey is to practice reverent listening, trust, paying attention to our body, mindfulness, healing, some, you know, working on intergenerational trauma and being aware of generational behavior patterns. When we start practicing them, them as a collective, they work as a cohesive unit so that they are greater than the sum of their parts. And that when we are in that liminal space, then the um, we have got the capacity, it's part of our operating system to show up because it's part of our personality now. You know, that's what happens when we create a habit. It becomes part of our personality. And sometimes it takes time, not our time, God's time or spirit's time um, for the truth to be revealed and trust that it will come. And that time's available to all of us, no matter where we are on our journey. It just takes slowing down enough and setting the attention the well putting our attention on it and setting the intention to receive it is that right yes yeah i couldn't say it better <laughs> taking the time timefulness is a word i coined actually <sighs> um <laughs> timefulness we know how to be mindful now we get to practice being timeful can i share with you a beautiful sentence from this 
even more beautiful poem by Reverend Lisa Lee. She's the unity minister out of the unity of Las Vegas. Yeah. It goes like this, this one sentence, it says, it is the child in us that knows to ask, where am I or how do I get there? Is to miss the crimson red rose growing out of the crack in the sidewalk. Wow. So think of what we might be missing if we're not slowing down. Mm. Sandy, thank you so much for being here. How can listeners connect with you and find out more about your work? Well, the Liminal Odyssey is at liminalodyssey.com. You can reach me there. Sandyheart.com works as well. If you send me a message through the website, I will I will get back to you. Um, and also, if you, you if you are interested in the book and you use the promo code Alchemy, uh, there's a little discount, a little gift, and free shipping um, from the website. So if they order the book from the website and use the promo code alchemy, a little mm -hmm. lovely synchronicity, a little golden jewel drops onto your path. Yeah. Right? That's Metaphorically my, speaking. No. <laughs> that's my highest prayer. <laughs> I don't want to get listener email that says, I didn't, I watched my path all day. There wasn't a golden jewel. No, no. It's a metaphor. <laughs> metaphor. Um, Sandy, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you, Karen. It's been a delight. I can't tell you how many times I got chills during this call by your questions. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for being here. We've been talking with Sandy Hart. Her new book is The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. You can find out more about Sandy and her work at sandyhart.com. That's S-A-N-D-E-H-A-R-T.com, sandyhart.com, or at The Liminal Odyssey. Com. If you order the book through her website and you use the coupon code ALCHEMY, there's a little discount, a little extra waiting there for you. That's through her website. And of course, you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session with me there if you're so inclined. The Meet Your Guides class, which fills me with joy. Man, I love teaching this class. The Meet Your Guides class is coming up on October 10th. And if you are curious about opening a connection or deepening a connection with your spiritual support team, I hope you'll join me. Information about that is at karenhager.com slash guides. And the merriment always continues on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. How many jigsaw puzzles <laughs> can one demented middle-aged woman do in a year? I don't know. I'm working my way toward the answer. That's on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.